G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to the final episode of Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia. Scaling is the hardest task facing a startup entrepreneur. It's harder than getting started. It's harder than getting to an MVP. It's harder than getting investment. Scaling is hard. But there are any number of startups who have scaled successfully, including a few who have already been on Twista, such as Canva, Envato, Catapult, and Airtasker. What can we learn from their successes in scaling? Well, we're going to find out. We've been teasing it all through Series 7, and now we dive into the vaults, and we hear from folks like Cam Adams and Cyanteed about what happened to their firms as they grew into Australia's next unicorns. Scaling into unicorns straight from the founders' mouths on this final episode of Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia. Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia has been sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Are you a small business looking to streamline costs on shipping and postage? Simplify and save with SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. Visit them online at pitneybowes.com au slash twista. Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia has also been sponsored by the University of Technology Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups Program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. Everyone loves a unicorn. If you're an early stage investor, you're seeing a hundred or even a thousand times your initial investment. That's a pretty good deal. If you're a venture capitalist, you can invest in a sure thing. If you're an employee, you get a great job with a great startup. And if you're a founder, well, the world will beat a path to your door. I mean, take a look at Mike Cannon Brooks. But unicorns, well, they are rare. We've only seen a few here in Australia, and we've had some of them on this show. Canva is the standout startup for this current crop of unicorns, with a valuation in multiple billions of dollars, hundreds of employees, and millions of customers all around the world. Now, way back in 2015, we invited Canva co-founder Cam Adams onto Twista to talk about what was still a very small but rapidly growing startup. So you've become, I mean, you've increasingly been kicked into a much more management role. So you are overseeing, how many people do you have working for you? Uh, so now we have, so I look after the design team. I was looking after this front end team until much better front enders came along. Mm. So they're, they're motoring along nicely by themselves. But our design team, there's five of us in Sydney mm. and four in Manila and Manila's growing quite rapidly. Um, there's a large component of our product that's based around graphic design. Um, so we offer graphic design to people and there's a bunch of layouts right. that we have in our app. 
Um, and the graphic designers help create that and determine, you know, graphic styles that people will be using. So what is a pizza shop, you know, what, what's their flyer going to look like? What's going to be most useful to them? So they, they figure that out and get our content into the editor. Um, yeah, so I'm helping to, to manage those guys and make sure our, our output is as high quality as possible. Given that the last year in particular has been a rocket ship ride in Canva, presumably, do you, how many employees are there total at Canva? Uh, there's 40 now. Okay, so that's, that's a lot, right? And that means that there's now politics in the organization and all sorts of interesting things that probably weren't the case when you came on board. Definitely. So how have you been managing that? How has the team been managing that growth? Um, it's been interesting. We try and we try and keep our finger on the pulse as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I think with any structure, it kind of, it can grow to a certain level and then there's a breaking point where you have to change it right. uh, often radically. Um, we actually did that at the start of this year. So last year we had a few projects going out, including our iPad app, um, our more social involvement with the site um, and also our design marketplace. So getting graphic designers onto Canva and getting them selling their work, um, which were three quite big things. Um, And looking at how we manage those things and the deadlines we hit or didn't hit with those things, we've tried to kind of improve that this year and given a lot more autonomy to our team. So we've set up each project as its own team that can make its own decisions, doesn't necessarily have to talk to me, Mel and Cliff all the time, um, but obviously we're there when big decisions need to be made. Uh, But letting each team feel in control of their destiny and have a say in what direction their project goes in. That takes a lot of trust, though. I mean, you have to really trust the people in those teams. How did you get to that level of trust with those teams? I think you just work with them. Um, and last year was a great baptism of fire. You know, we saw we saw how well our teams worked and how well they pulled together and how much effort they put into the product and how much passion they have for the company. And seeing that made us trust them. Um, and you have to... You definitely have to work with people to engender that trust. Mm. And Canva's not the only outstanding startup we've had on Twista. Catapult Sports owns the space for real-time measurement of athletes in team sports. There isn't a professional footy team in Australia or the U.S. who doesn't use their gear. They've created a category. They've filled it. They're doing very well. Their market cap is close to half a billion dollars, halfway to unicorn status. And back in 2016, we spoke with Catapult CEO Adir Schiffman about how they would grow from a successful startup into a monster. So the first thing I'd say is that even in the elite space globally, so we are totally dominant. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to know exactly what market share we have, but it's way north of 50%. Um, The total market penetration is maybe 10% globally. That means 90% of every prospective client for us in the elite space is using nothing at the moment. We think that will asymptote towards 100% in the next five years. That is a big market growth opportunity. Our biggest challenge is execution. So we have to keep executing well mm-hmm. in order to retain our dominant position as the pie gets, you know, 10 times larger than it is today. So that's a pretty big opportunity. All right. What's your key to executing well? Uh, great people. That's it. I think, you know, I think there are three things that create great businesses. Um, big market size. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. Uh, luck. So we do our best on that. And I have rabbits. Well, you make, you make, and you make your own luck too. And the third thing is um, just absolutely sensational people and so that is what we spend most that's what i spend most of my time focused on is getting those people into the business because the best way that you execute well is just get people who will execute 
extremely well and overcome the problems that appear. Uh, so that, that's, that's my view on that. Now back in series two, we were lucky enough to get the VinoMofo founders, Andre Eichmeier and Justin Dry, into our studio to talk about their, well, it was an almost accidental startup. VinoMofo was an experiment in finding product market fit, one that looked for a very long time as though it wouldn't work, until it did. We caught them at an inflection point in the VinoMofo business, as it looked like it was on the threshold of tripling in sales that year. How big is the business now? Uh, run rate of 35 million. Um, we, will do, we did 30 mil in, in this financial year, it'll be about 30 mil, right. but run rate 35 and it's going up by 5 to 10% a month. So it's like 300,000 customers. Right. Okay, so that means that, so if it's 35 mil this year, that means next year we're actually probably looking at closer to 60. It's going to basically... We're, 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 we're pretty optimistic. 100 next year, we're ramping up right. our awareness. And how, how are you going to ramp up? Uh, well, just, we're actually working, we've actually been in a, a month of meeting creative agencies to sort of work out, just approach this idea strategically of, we've always... Probably really rightly, we've always approached marketing like, well, how about you just get the product and the customer experience right mm -hmm. and then trust that people will tell their friends. And that's worked really well for us. This year we've spent a bit on digital like marketing, but it's been really pretty simple stuff. Here's a, here's a deal. Mm -hmm. You should get it if you like wine. Mm -hmm. So now we're sort of going... And yet we, so people that use us rave, rave about us, like you said, which is really awesome and an honour, but we're still... If I'm in a room, like I'm... I'm got a speech to Optus this afternoon, and there'll be 1,200 people in there, and we might have 30 customers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Might be a bit more than that, but we're sort of like, wow, What you want so is 300. Yeah. Well, and there might be another 500 people in there yeah. that we'd be really useful to, yeah. and they really love us, and they'd love to buy wine from us. So we're like, right, well, we need to reach these people faster. So sure. we just. But if you're doing that thing, you're not a $30 million company, you're a $300 million company. That's what we want to do. So how do you get from here to there? In other words, I guess, and I, I want to make this my closing question, how do you deal with the growth if you're growing this fast, how do the two of you as founders manage that kind of growth? Get really smart people around us. <laughs> has, has that been easy or has that been hard? Uh, we're putting way um, way more effort into kind of senior level mm. hires at the moment. Mm. So CMOs, CFOs, that type of high level. That's um, new for us. That's really new for us because yeah. we, you know, we started in Garage, so we did everything. Yeah. And then we hired great people and our team's incredible. We've got 65 people now. Um, absolutely amazing team. And now we're, we're realising for us to get from where we are to where we want to go, we need super, super, super smart people around the table deciding and helping with our strategy discussions. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia, and we'll be right back with three more of Australia's next unicorns. Are you a small business or small e-tailer looking for better ways to streamline costs and improve efficiency? Introducing SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes, the complete office sending solution that makes it easy for small businesses and e-tailers to consistently choose the right sending option for each parcel or letter. SendPro Plus provides shipping options and prices, prints labels, and tracks parcels. An integrated accurate scale helps assign the correct parcel label or postage. SendPro Plus makes sending simple with automatic rate updates and a shared address book across available carriers. 
Pitney Bowes brings shipping, mailing, and tracking capabilities to businesses looking to simplify their shipping and mailing while reducing costs. Simplify and save with SendPro Plus today and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. To learn more, visit pitneybowes.com au slash twista. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia, where we're combing through the archives, looking for the companies with the best chances to be Australia's next unicorns. We've already heard from Canva, Catapult Sports, and VinoMofo. Now let's move on to another startup that's quietly gone from strength to strength, Envato. Envato built a huge global marketplace for all sorts of digital goods. But the beginnings, they weren't all that promising. Here's founder and CEO Cyan Taid. Look, I'm always amazed when I look back that we got a sale within the first week, mm-hmm. um, and that sale came from Sweden randomly. I mean, wow. it's it's interesting. Never in a t- there's never been a time in history where someone could start a business with so little experience in their person's garage, and their first sale comes from Sweden. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, but um, we sort of we we had a bit of difficulty, you know, with marketplaces. There's that whole chicken and egg scenario, you know. Um, which one do you focus on first? In the end, which building content providers are building content sales. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and in the end, the thing that that finally got us going was um, giving away free credits. We operated on credits at the time, right. giving away free credits to any um, new customer who came in, sign up, get. $20 worth of free credits and then you can um, you can buy it on whatever you want. And that really got the ecosystem rolling. It educated the market mm-hmm. that they actually, this stuff was useful mm-hmm. because the thing is that stock flash hadn't been sold really at any right. scale up until that point in time. So nobody was really sort of aware or willing to invest in it. Um, you know, designers and developers weren't aware it could make life much easier. So we really mm-hmm. had to convince them. So in the end, it wasn't a big financial investment for us at all. It was a 20000 We said, well, we're releasing, um, I think, $10,000 worth of credits. It was a decade ago now, so the details get a little bit hazy. But $10,000 worth of credits. But in effect, we only had to pay out, because our commission rates were so low, we only mm. had to pay out $3,000 out to that community of mm. sellers, which when when you're bootstrapping, it's still was still a lot at that point in time for us, but it got that sort of um, that ecosystem moving on its own. Right. It um, excited the sellers. They wanted to make more stuff. Um, so that side, that side started taking Nothing off. motivates people like a check in the mailbox, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny because they knew intellectually it's because we were giving the, the customers money to spend on them, but it still didn't matter. Yeah, but they... Um once you've broken down a customer into actually making a sale, even with money you've given them, mm. I mean, this is the magic of that. They're going to be more likely to get the next sale because they're going to have had a positive experience and they're going, you're going to be in their mind share. This idea of creating a virtuous cycle of payments, something that should be at the core of every startup and rarely is, this is also the principle behind another startup working at the core of the digital economy. Uvu wants to rewrite the business model in web Based video. Here's CEO and co-founder Ricky Sutton on Uvu's market and opportunity. 
So um, let me. there were four things that really became clear. A billion people were consuming news video every day and, and they wanted more. And that's probably going to two million sooner rather than later. It's probably going to four billion, actually, once right. you start to think about Indonesia, China, India, all of these, Africa, all these emerging markets coming on board. And we have customers in all of those places. Yeah. And so we can see this very rapid growth. So a billion people want video today uh, or, or watch video already today and they want more. And there's another couple of billion coming. He says casually. Um, then on top of that, what you've got is all of the world's articles are out there at the moment. There's about 26 million topics a day currently being published. Uh, but as I said, about 7% of articles have video in them, even though the public wants them. Right. The problem is there isn't enough video to fill those. At least there wasn't until we found that all the broadcasters of the world had the video that was needed for those articles. Um, but, but they had no way to be able to sell that to the publishers. They needed global, ubiquitous, instant distribution, and that couldn't be done through the old-school models that they had. So what you then had was supply and demand. Supply from the publishers, uh, from the broadcasters, and demand from the public, but no way to match them. And so we built the tech that matched the two together like a global Tinder for video and articles. <laughs> God, now there's an image. I was thinking it's more like a global two-sided marketplace. It's the same thing. I don't think it would take. <laughs> we, we have described it as the bow tie um, with Uvu in the middle, providers on one side and the publishers on the other, they, and we all make them meet in the middle. But there's also another really important piece that's becoming really apparent, which is that the the goal of us doing this is to create a, a um, sustainable future for broadcasters and publishers, right. and both of them are really Neither struggling. of which are particularly guaranteed right now. Well, absolutely. no, absolutely not. And when we started this company or started the thinking of this company, their future looked completely fine, and we told them that there was a danger ahead because if you didn't have uh, massive distribution, um, you know, for a business to work now, the audience has to start with a B. Mm. Success starts with a B. Mm. And we're in a global fight, not a local fight. And, you know, publishers are no longer fighting with the other publisher down the street. And the broadcaster isn't in a fight for eyeballs with the newspaper anymore. But their models are still set up for that fight. What we tried to do was to create the opportunity for them to fight with the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, which meant that we had to have global, ubiquitous, instant distribution and a video in every article in the world. Since that interview, Uvu has inked partnerships with nearly every major news publisher and broadcaster everywhere on Earth. Are Uvu worth a billion dollars? Not yet, but give them another year or two. With their trajectory, unicorn status cannot be far away. And finally, in Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia, we sat down with Tom Lartner of With You, With Me. With You With Me retrains veterans as they exit the armed forces and prepares them for careers in the commercial sector. They do this quite sensibly by testing individuals, then delivering training appropriate to their skills and talents. It's such a good idea that it's amazing we don't see it used more often, and it's an idea that we'll need to scale across the entire culture as automation transforms the kinds of jobs available in the workforce, a point that I made to Tom in our interview. So are we seeing a different kind of thinking about how we can make the economy that's continually in transition now work for people who are working in it? Uh, so you raise an interesting point, Mark. We are seeing a very slow change towards that men mentality. Uh, how do we know that? You can see it through all the programs that these companies are running. So they're trying to find new ways to identify talent to upskill, particularly looking early on in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So STEM programs, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but the issue that you correctly articulate is far more immediate. So, and, and Telstra is a good example. The banks have done it as well. A number of corporations are, are laying off a number of thousands of people, which is not great for the Australian economy. We need to fix it, 
the way that we do it is we need to change how we think about talent. So right now they're trying to fill these new jobs by looking at the CV, um, using a checkbox saying, have you got five years experience in this particular architecture? It doesn't actually align with a lot of the entry level jobs that they need Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for a unicorn. And those, they just aren't there. And now they're fighting for new talent pools and we've exhausted all the different talent pools. We need to start looking at talent differently and saying, what is your raw potential, Mark? What are you actually capable of? What are your abilities? How fast can I train you? And that's what With You With Me is built. A system that shows people what they're good at, how to align them to a career, and then how to get them there really, really quickly. All right. Just the last question on this, because this is a big topic. And this is a topic that I discuss a lot with my clients all the time. But does it take a crisis to get government or business across the line changing their thinking about how we think about talent? Or is it just going to be that there will be a more gradual shift here? I think there will be a gradual shift. I think a crisis, if you look particularly in cybersecurity, will create immediacy. And it already has. Well, because there's an enormous gap, right? There's many more jobs on offer for cybersecurity. I know this from working with the banks and the then, then we actually believe that we have talent for. Correct. So we we have trained hundreds of people in to be entry-level cyber analyst roles right now, uh, and we've done it in 100 hours through our online content. How do we do that? We found out people's learning styles. We found out their aptitude and their ability. We aligned them to the right career pathways, showed them that they could do it, and then helped them along the way. That is the methodology that the military uses. That is why we're a veteran-founded company. The, the military aptitude tests you, tells you which career you're going to be best for, puts you through rigorous training, and then deploys you and looks after you over time. That is the same way that we are delivering veteran talent and building talent for the market. It's the same way that we're helping companies think about how to build talent. It's the easiest solution to scale things quickly. If With You, With Me scales, and they're already working hard in the United States, if they scale, they could become the go-to training and retraining organization for businesses globally, and that's a unicorn. Now, from this point, for all of these companies, it's all about execution and a little bit of luck. They'll need both if they want to become Australia's next unicorn. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back with some final thoughts for Series 7. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program, UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched well more than 200 student startups. They're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs then connecting them to industry partners and the startup ecosystem. It's all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through its startup internship program. As a leading university of technology and Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more.
here we are at the end of series seven. We took scale as the theme. We took a look at it from every direction. We saw small companies scaling. We saw medium-sized companies scaling. We saw big companies scaling. Scaling means something different for every one of these companies. Scaling is always the biggest challenge facing the entrepreneur, and we heard multiple entrepreneurs really sweating out the details of scaling on this show. When we asked them what did they need to do, and most often they said they didn't know, they were learning it as they went along, and they were scared to death that they weren't going to get it right. And it's that common, that fear, but also that desire to solve the problem that connects all of these entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship isn't a hayride. Entrepreneurship is scary and weird and difficult and different every single day. And scaling represents the clearest part of that challenge. How do you take something that you think is good and create something that you know is great? Big thanks to Twister Sponsors, UTS Startups, and Pitney Bowes. Their support has made Series 7 possible. Thanks to the studio at Winyard Green for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Now, last year, we relaunched and rewrote our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, it's got all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories, so check it out at twistartupsaus.com. Now next year we'll be back with Series 8, and Series 8 will take us on a tour of every aspect of investing, both from the startup side and from the investor side. We will take the journey all the way from the very first seed all the way to an IPO. It's going to be a complete journey over Series 8. Look for it. Until next year, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.